Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Um, Today we are in our new series. We're actually starting our series, and I have the privilege and the honor to be able to start this series off called Love Wins. Love Wins. This whole month we're going to be talking about relationships. And we're not only going to be talking about relationships in marriage, but we're also going to be talking about relationships as it regards to friendships, as it regards to uh, parent-child relationships, or uh, relationships in in the workplace, really just any relationships. That's what we are going to be talking about. Love wins. And what I want you to understand today, the number one thing that I want us to understand today is that when our main relationship, our main relationship between us and God is affected, every other relationship is affected. If our main relationship between us and God is not right, is not where it should be, or if we don't have a good understanding of the way that God loves us, then everything else that surrounds us, every relationship that surrounds us will not be on point. That's the number one thing I want you to get out of today. So if you want to tune out for the rest of the message, go ahead. Um, But that's the number one thing. Walk away with that today, uh, that if our main relationship is not right with God, then everything else around us is affected. We were created for relationships. In Genesis, it even says that it is not good for man to be alone. And this does not just mean men, it means humans. It is not good for humans to be alone. We were created for relationship, but if you're like me, uh, you know that relationships are hard. I am not teaching this because I have mastered it. I am only 34, and I will not master it uh, until I get to heaven and am perfect, okay? This, <laughs> I'm not teaching you because I know exactly what I'm talking about. I just know what the Word of God says, and we can all work on this together, work on this understanding together. Relationships are hard, and sometimes it's easier actually to just do away with relationships. Sometimes it's easier just to to isolate ourselves, or at least it feels easier, right? Sometimes it's easier just to write off the marriage instead of do the hard work that it takes to reconcile the marriage. Sometimes it's simply easier just to get rid of the relationships altogether, but we were made for relationships. I recently found a study on mentalhealth.org, and by recently, I mean this week when I was studying for this sermon. Uh, I recently found a study on mentalhealth.org that said this, people who are more socially connected to family, friends, or their community are happier, physically healthier, and live longer with fewer mental health problems than people who are less well-connected. Whoa. That's wild. So if you have better relationships, you are healthier, you feel better, you're happier than people who are less connected. And this is the deal. It's not just the, the amount of friends or the amount of relationships that you have, and it's not even how committed those relationships are, but it's the quality of your close relationships. It's not about quantity. It's about quality that matters. Here's another thing that they said that I thought was very interesting. It said, Living in conflict or within a toxic relationship is actually more damaging than being alone. Whoa. Living in conflict or with a toxic relationship is more damaging 
than being alone. And you might be sitting there going, well, all of my relationships are in conflict, so well, I'm glad that you're here today and we can, we can learn this together. So not only do we need relationships, we need good relationships. And if this study, this non-biblical, non-spiritual study can show that even just psychologically that we need relationships and we need good relationships, then why are they so hard to maintain? If this is something that we were created to have and this is something that we absolutely need, then why are they so hard? Well, before we get into that, I want to read to you a couple of of crazy stats that I found. The divorce rate in America today is one of the highest in the world. Fewer couples today choose to marry than those before 1990. So we might see the divorce rate go down, but that's just because less people are actually getting married. Three out of 10 people reported a loss of a close friendship this last year. And that doesn't just mean that they they died or they passed away. No, this means that literally they're still alive, but they've lost this friendship. Three out of 10, 30%. And 22% of people reported that they lost a friendship because of the 2020 elections alone. Maybe you're in here. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) This one, though, to me is the most staggering because it's the biggest number. 58% of adults in America say that they have at least one mental or emotional health issue that has hindered their relationships. 58%. And only 28% of people are happy with their friendships. Hopefully they're not your friends. 43% of adults feel supported by their close friends in the last three months. And only 46% of parents with children under 18 state that they have a good parent-to-child relationship. Only 46%. So as I read off those stats, maybe you're here today and you're like, that's me. Well, that's okay because we're going to learn together. It's safe to say that we as human beings, not just Americans like the stats that I just read, but we as human beings have relationship issues, right? We have relationship issues and we need some serious work. We need to understand how to allow love to win because relationships are so important to our mental well-being, to our physical well-being, and most importantly, to our spiritual well-being. Relationships are finite encounters that can have infinite impact in the legacies they leave. Relationships are finite encounters that can have infinite impact in the legacies they leave. A couple more things on relationships. In 1938, Harvard University did a study on 724 participants, and this was the longest-running study on human development in history. The study was developed to to look at psychological, um, sociological issues, uh, physical, social life, IQ, to learn how we flourish, what makes us happy, what makes us have a great life. And the key results showed this. Happiness and health aren't a result of wealth, fame, or working hard but come instead from our relationships. Happiness and health. Harvard University, y'all, 1938. Happiness and health come from our relationships. So we know the problem, but what is the solution? We know that we have an issue with our relationships as human beings, but what is the solution? Well, the Beatles would say, all you need is love. There we go. You were here last night. That doesn't count. So I was trying to see if, if anybody would, would respond. Thank you very much for that. Uh, okay. All you need is love. 
Love wins. That's the title of the series. That's what the world says, right? Well, if your relationships are terrible, just love people more. Just love better. Allow yourself to be loved better. But the thing is, is when we say that, we don't understand what love really is. We don't understand who love really is. When the world says to love more and to love better, they're not saying it from an understanding that God himself is love and that if our relationship with God is better, if our relationship with God is stable, if we are remaining in him, then we actually understand love. But, they, but the world doesn't understand that. So when we say love wins, what does that look like in our relationships? I believe the answer can be found in Galatians 5. And here in Galatians 5, Paul is, is drawing lines between the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. The works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, the whole book of Galatians, if you were here a few months ago, we actually did a study on the whole book of Galatians. But the whole book of Galatians, Paul is trying to convince the Galatian church that, hey, you don't need to follow the law any longer. You've actually been set free. You've been completely changed by the power of Christ, uh, by believing in him. So stop trying to follow the law because you're gonna fail and it's making you devour one another. So please, will you just operate in freedom? Will you just operate in love? So that's, that's the context for what we are about to read in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says this. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve and love one another, to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 15, I underlined it because man, is it glaring. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Paul says, live in the freedom that Christ has given you so that you can love one another. Because guess what? If you don't do that, you're just gonna be destroying one another. You're going to be destroying your relationships. You're gonna be destroying the things and the people around you. Our problem is that we are not living in the freedom that Christ has given us and instead we are living in our sinful desire and our sinful nature and we are devouring and destroying people without even knowing it. Devouring and destroying our own relationships without even knowing it. So love wins this way. And I told the, I told the uh, crew last night that uh, these, these points are so profound, it's going to blow your mind, okay? Number one is don't be who you were. Isn't that just like huge, right? Don't be who you were. I'm being facetious, by the way. <laughs> don't let something you're not guide you. How do we let love win? Don't be who you were. Don't let something you're not guide you. Galatians 5, 16 through 21, as we continue in Galatians, it says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Does that uh, describe anybody's relationships um, ever? Like, for me, it definitely describes my relationship with, some, with my kids. I have three kids, uh, six, five, and two. Um, and honestly, uh, 
mothers, my wife, uh, I don't know how y'all do it because I've had all three kids by myself for the last week. And I'll tell you, I would love to just, you know, be so gentle and kind and loving and patient, but my sinful desire and my sinful nature comes out every once in a while, like it in fact did this morning, uh, in front of people, and I was like, stop doing that, right? Like no patience whatsoever, yelling. I mean, I love my kids to death, but my sinful desire is at war within me, and what I want to do, the good things I want to do, sometimes I just am not able to do. Maybe it's in an argument with your spouse. I've been there where I don't want to say what's about to come out of my mouth and what comes out of my mouth. I'm like, no, 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 get back in there, please. I just destroyed the next week. <laughs> I'm going to be paying this for a, for, for a while, right? Like maybe you've been there, right? I've been there so many times where I didn't want to do something, but man, my sinful desire took over. Verse 18 says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law to Moses. When you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Because here's the deal, when we're directed by the Spirit, the next thing that we're about to read, we don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. When we try to follow the law of Moses, when we try to follow the law and try to do right and be better, and I'm just going to work much harder to be a better person and work much harder to be a better Christian, and I'm going to use more Christianese slang than I can even come up with. I'm going to be in the church as much as I possibly can, and I'm going to read my Bible eight hours a day, and I'm going to do all these things so that I can be a better person. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to fail. You're going to fail, and your relationships are going to fail. And you're going to slip back into bondage and slavery into sin because you're not living free. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, I want to read it to you guys out of the message paraphrase because this is what the list of the works of the flesh is. But in the message paraphrase, it kind of puts it a little bit more in today's language and, uh, and allows us to, to kind of get a better picture. It's more vivid, essentially, um, as it speaks about what the works of the flesh are. It says this, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming, yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. See, when we read it like this, it, it shows us that all of these works of the flesh have to do with our relationships. The things that, that, the things that our sinful desire wants are all selfish. They're all competitive. They, uh, this, this one that I underlined, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival or, or ugly parodies of community. These, these sinful desires, when we're controlled by them, when we're controlled by them, they, they become an inadequate replacement 
for what the Spirit wants to give us. An inadequate replacement for the fruits of the Spirit. Have you ever had an inadequate replacement for something? Maybe, maybe uh, you needed you know, uh, a lawnmower and you bought the $100 version instead of the $300 version. And then all of a sudden, the next year you try to start it up and it doesn't work. That might have happened to me recently, okay? An inadequate replacement. And then what happens is I'm already out the $100 and now I gotta pay even more to get this stinking mower fixed so that I can mow my lawn. I'm lying. I just go down to Mel's house and take his mower. But, uh, <laughs> but it leaves me. It leaves me even more unfulfilled. All right. When I think of, of an inadequate uh, replacement, uh, me and Colin were talking. We're, we're both from Texas, and we were talking about uh, ice cream, and we we're talking about the difference between Blue Bell ice cream, which is from Texas, from the South, and uh, and Blue Bunny ice cream. And if you've ever had both of them, you understand what I'm talking about. Blue Bunny is such an inadequate replacement for Bluebell. Bluebell costs $120 to ship here per half gallon. I've looked it up, and it's, it's worth it. It is the most wonderful, homemade-tasting ice cream I've ever had in my life that's bought from a store. Um, inadequate replacement for me. Uh, I have not been able to find something that feeds the, uh, the hole inside of me that longs for barbecue. Okay, uh, if you've ever been to Texas and you, you know, like barbecue is king down there, right? Brisket, beef, okay? And anytime that someone tells me around here, Kendall, you gotta try this barbecue restaurant. It's so good. You gotta try this place. I'm telling you, it's, it's not like the other barbecues in PA. I promise you it's gonna be good. I'm like, okay, I trust you. I believe in you. Uh, I, hope that, I hope that you're not lying to me. Um, and then I go try it and I am sadly disappointed. <laughs> And uh, maybe you've experienced something like that uh, to, to, not, to, not, to, to have your hopes up for something and to want something so bad and to have an inadequate replacement. What happens when you have an inadequate replacement is it leaves you feeling even more empty or more at loss than you were before. It leaves you wanting more. It leaves you striving for more. And the works of the flesh are an inadequate replacement for the fruits of the Spirit. What I mean by this is, say that we take patience, right? Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And instead of being patient and being faithful, we replace patience and faithfulness with cheap, loveless sex. I've been there. I know what that's like. And because I'm not patient and because I don't want to wait for what God's design is, because I don't want to wait for something that God has that's better for me, I follow my desire and I have an inadequate replacement. Maybe, maybe we take kindness and we say, you know what? I'm just not that kind of a person. I'm really tough on the outside. I've had a tough life and that's just made me hard and my heart's hard and that's just who I am. And that's just how it's going to be. I know, that, I know that I believe in Jesus and he's made me a new creation, but hey, that kindness thing, yeah, that's just not going to happen for me. Well, when we do that, we replace that with a brutal temper. Or we replace that maybe goodness and kindness and faithfulness. We replace that with, with uh, depersonalizing, dehumanizing people into rivals. The works of the flesh... Our sinful desires are inadequate replacements for what the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us. 
And I think, I believe, the reason why we all struggle with this, we all struggle with this, okay? I'm pointing the finger at myself in the mirror. The reason why we all struggle with this is because we don't believe that God has truly given us the fruits of the Spirit. We don't believe that God has truly given us what he said he has given us. We think that's for somebody else. We think that maybe, maybe one day I'll be kind. Maybe one day I'll be patient. Maybe one day I can have peace and joy in my life. And we don't recognize the fact that God has actually given it to us. So the first thing we have to do in letting love win is don't be who you were. Number two, profound thought, is be who you were reborn to be. Be who you were reborn to be. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean is we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. Once we've confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and we are saved, we've got to believe that he has started a new life in us. And we've got to know that that allowing love to win isn't working harder to not be something, rather leaning into who we already are. Allowing love to win in our own lives, allowing God to show his love in our own lives isn't trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just do better and be better and try harder, but it's rather leaning into our true identity in Christ. Leaning in to who we are. Galatians 5, 22 through 24 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I'm going to read that again. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit might produce, if you are a good person, this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Paul is trying to say there's no bondage in this. You live this way? There's no, there's no bondage. There's no slavery to the law. In verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, everything we just read, to his cross and crucified, him, crucified them there. If you follow Christ, you already have these characteristics inside of you. If you follow Christ, you are no longer who you used to be. Now you are someone that is reborn and you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control dwelling inside of you. you. It's been planted inside of you and the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit inside of you and you don't have to settle for an imitation. You don't have to settle for an inadequate replacement any longer. We've got to believe this, church. We've got to believe that that the Holy Spirit has placed these things in our lives and it's not something that I can do more and just be better and then I'll be more patient. No, the Holy Spirit has put it inside of us. It's like, I feel like some of us, including myself, have been in this place many times where uh, I have an inheritance, but I don't believe that it's actually mine. When I was uh, applying for financial aid, when I was in college uh, many years ago, I, I, I went to this website. It sounds like a scam. I don't think it was. My mom would have to fact check me on it, but it was called Rich Uncle. 
okay? And I would go to this place, rich uncle, and I would apply and write all these essays for financial aid and get some help uh, so that I wouldn't be in crazy amounts of debt. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and I, I, I would apply to rich uncle, and the whole point of it, the whole aspect of it was like, essentially, you have this rich uncle that you don't really know, but he knows you, and he knows about you, and he loves you, and you haven't really met him that much, but he leaves you a crazy inheritance, right? Like, that's the whole premise behind it, and that would be amazing. I mean, if anybody wants that, say amen, yes, okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, we're, but, but when you, so the, the way I think about it is like, when we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, it's like having that, that rich uncle that leaves you an inheritance, but you're like, ah, I don't know that guy, so there's no way he could have actually left me that money. And then we leave it sitting, and then we don't use it, or it's in the bank, and we never touch it, and, and we go through our life, and we have financial issues, we have all these problems, but yet we had this inheritance that could have taken care of every single thing that we ever needed it to take care of, but we never touched it because we didn't believe we actually had it. And I believe that that is what the fruit of the Spirit is like. It is an inheritance to all who believe in Christ Jesus. To all who believe in Jesus Christ, they have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. They have all, we have all of these fruits, but we treat it like it's an inheritance that, that we're not allowed to touch. No, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. I don't know, I don't know God well enough, so there's no way. Like, I just gave my life to him a couple weeks ago. There's no way that that could actually be mine. But I'm telling you that you have these characteristics. Maybe you're like me and you look at these characteristics. You look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You look at them as a checklist. Oh, but I need to work on my patience. Um, let me circle that one real quick. You know, I'm pretty loving, so let me check that off. You look at it as a checklist and you still think, or maybe it's a wish list, right? That you wish you were better. You wish you were more kind. But I'm telling you today that you don't have to work harder. You don't work, you have to work harder or be better or settle for the imitation. Because if we're going to allow love to win today, number three of the profound thoughts is just be. Just be. Abide. Don't be who you used to be. Be who you were, who you were reborn to be. And then lastly, just be, abide, remain, stay in Christ. John 15, one through six, this is Jesus talking to his disciples and, and talking to us now. He says this, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Some other translations say abide in me, and I will remain or abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. <clears throat> For apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, that says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. It doesn't say you might produce much fruit. It doesn't say maybe one day you'll arrive and you'll get your halo and your wings and you will be producing much fruit. It doesn't say if your name is John, the one that I love, you'll produce much fruit. It says simply, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will produce much fruit. Verse six, anyone who does not remain in me 
is shown or is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. That last part is pretty sobering. But there's so much hope and there's so much beauty and there's so much life in the beginning of this to say, if you remain in me, you've already been given these things. And if you remain in me, I will remain in you and you will produce much fruit. What we've got to understand today is that Christ has done the work. Christ has done the work and he is cultivating these things in your life. He is cultivating this fruit in your life through the power, through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. As long as you have confessed and you believe with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. If you believe in Jesus, you remain in him, you abide in him. I found this in a commentary about what the word abide actually means. To abide is to live, to continue, or to remain. So to abide in Christ is to live in him or remain in him. When a person is saved, he or she is described as being in Christ, held secure in a permanent relationship. Therefore, and this is the highlighted part here, therefore, abiding in Christ is not a special level of Christian experience only available for a few, rather it is the position of all true believers. It's not some place that you ascend to. It's not some place that's only, that's only, um, that, that's reserved for the true spiritual people. You know, the amen, brother, uh, I'm just good, you know, and God's loving and he's all good and all knowing and all powerful and he's here with us right now, like every single second of every day. If you do that, great, that's good. But that's not so, that the abiding section in, in, in this life is not reserved just for you. It's for every single person who puts their trust in Christ, who believes in Christ. If you remain in Christ and Christ remains in you, saying that you have made your confession and your belief that he is Lord, you're already producing this fruit. What abiding shows is, is this intimate, close relationship and not a superficial acquaintance with Christ. You know, we say Romans 10, verse 9, all the time, every weekend here. I say it every time that I had the opportunity to preach at our young adult service at United. And I've said it many times here today is that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Okay, we believe that. And I believe, I wanna tell you, I believe that that is a one-time deal. You, you say it and you are saved. But I also believe that that's a daily thing. Not that you have to say the sinner's prayer, you have gotta repeat after me every single day so that you can go to heaven. But I do believe that, that reminding myself in my heart and confessing out of my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Man, my marriage is on the rocks. Jesus Christ is Lord. God raised him from the dead. And if God raised him from the dead, I know that he's producing fruit in me. I know that whatever I'm facing, that, that, there, is, that there is no way that God can't, can't move in my life. And so I'm gonna confess that now. That's what abiding and remaining in Christ looks like, is continuing to confess, continuing to believe in the midst of all circumstances that Jesus Christ is Lord and God did raise him from the dead. It's like this, that, I think it's so cool that, that Jesus and Paul both use the analogy of fruit here. And it's important to point out that they use the analogy of fruit being produced or being connected to the vine and being a branch and producing much fruit. 
Because here's the deal. The tree, the tree or the vine that's producing this fruit does nothing but absorb and stretch towards nutrients. Whether it be through roots, through the root system in the soil, or whether it be through the vines or through the branches, it reaches towards the sun, it reaches towards the nutrients in the ground, and it absorbs water, it absorbs the nutrients. It does nothing. It does nothing to be planted. Absolutely nothing. I was thinking about this last night after I preached that, that if there is a tree like in the rainforest producing fruit, it's got to have some kind of animal come by, eat its fruit, and then deposit It seeds on the ground so that it can be planted again, so that it can produce much fruit. The tree does nothing. It just is. It's just being. And that's what Christ is calling us to do, is to remind ourselves that we are remaining in him, that we are planted, that we are planted firm, that we are, as Isaiah says, oaks of righteousness, that we are planted, our roots go deep. And if we continue to stretch towards the nutrients that the Holy Spirit gives us, if we continue to stretch towards God's word, stretch towards him in prayer through confession of faith, if we continue to do that, then we will produce much fruit and love will win in our lives and love will win in our relationships. That's what the point of this whole thing is. Continue to stretch towards the Son of God. Continue to reach out for his nutrients. Allow love to win. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Stop trying to to check off the box of I don't do that and I do this and I don't do that and I do this. No, no, because if you remain planted in the word of God, if you remain planted in Jesus Christ, if you remain planted in that, these things will be developed in you. And I want to say this too. I, I was reminded as well that Fruit doesn't grow immediately as soon as the tree is planted. As soon as the tree is planted, it takes some time for that tree to mature. So if you're not seeing specific things produced in your life, it's okay. Have patience. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. If you're not seeing fruit that you want to see in your kids or in your wife or in your friendships, whatever, if you're not seeing that, those things, be patient. Because the work that Christ started, he will finish. He will finish the work that he started in you. So let's be patient. Let's have grace. And let's allow love to win. In Christ, love has already won because we've been given everything that we need for our relationships. The question is, are you allowing those things to be produced, to be cultivated in you? And something I want us all to do today is set aside some time to remind us who we are. If you have believed in Christ, you are a new creation. If you haven't, you're going to be given an opportunity to do that today. But I want to remind you of who you are in Christ. A few years ago, I was going through a rehabilitation process for an addiction, and this is a specific verse that was given to me, I believe, by the Holy Spirit um, through someone to remind me that anytime I wanted to go back the old way to remind me of who I actually am and say that you're not this way anymore, this is who you are, and it's found in Galatians. Wow, fancy that. Galatians 2, verse 18 through 21. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. 
My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. And verse 20 sums it all up. I want to read that again. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Don't be who you used to be. But it's Christ who lives in me. Be who you were reborn to be. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Just be and abide in that truth. Like I said, I used to read this as a checklist. Up until a month and a half ago, I used to read this as a checklist or something that I needed to work on or something that I needed to be better at. But I've realized that if I just concentrate on the relationship between me and God, if I just concentrate on spending time with God through his word, through worship, through prayer, through praying for other people, if I start to do those kinds of things, then he is going to develop these very things in my life. And I don't have to worry about not doing something or being a better person because the Holy Spirit is going to do that work in me. I don't have to be in control of that. I have to allow love to win in my heart. And we all have to do that very thing. I want us to take a moment and be able to respond to what the word of God is saying right now. So what I'm gonna do is, thank you Blairsville for being with us. I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to your host um, so that they can help you respond to God's word. Maybe you're in the room today and you, you've heard me talk about the main relationship You've heard me talk about your main relationship has to be right. And maybe you're in this room today and you would say, I've, I've never had that main relationship. I've never had a relationship with God. I've never, I've never confessed with my mouth and believe that, that Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. I've never done that. So, so I can't even have my relationships start off on the right foot. Or maybe you're here today and you simply need a reminder of who you are. I believe no matter what camp that you're in, and we're gonna give a, 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 a time to respond here in just a moment, but no matter what side of that you are in, that it all starts with repenting. And repentance is this word that simply means to confess that I've been one way and to move in a different direction, to forget what is behind you, to move on from where I used to be. So whether you're here today and you have never had a relationship with Christ and you've never started a relationship with God, or maybe you're here today and you along the way have forgotten who you are in Christ, you've forgotten your identity and so you've been being led by your sinful desires, today can be your day. Today is your day to repent, to turn away, and to go a different direction. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. No one looking around so that it can just be us and God, this intimate moment. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with Christ, you've never believed with your mouth and confessed, or believed with uh, your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. If you've never done that and you want to do that today so that you can be saved, I want you to raise your hand right now. No one's looking around. We're just going to pray with you. We're just going to say a prayer with you. That's all we're going to do. If you want to start that relationship with Christ today. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I need a reminder 
of who I am in Christ. I, be, I have believed and I have confessed, but my sinful desires, they've been taking over. And I have forgotten who I am in Christ. And I want a reminder today and I want to repent for that today. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. No one's looking around. If that's you, raise your hand today. I just want to pray with you. Thank you. There's hands all across the room. You're not alone in this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pause for just a moment because repentance, I can't repent for you. Okay? I can't pray and repent for you. I can't turn away for you. I can turn away from me, but I can't do it for you. I just want to take a moment, and it, whether it's, whether it's uh, out loud or whether it's under your breath or whether it's in your mind, I want you to tell the Holy Spirit right now, I used to be this way and I don't want to be this way anymore. Remind me, please remind me of who I am. I want to give you a moment to do that real quick. Even if you didn't raise your hand, this is a reminder that all of us need. This is a reminder that I need daily. So I'm gonna pray for each one of us that we would be reminded. And as I pray, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come down and to come at the front for, to receive people for prayer later. But God, I thank you so much that you have spoken to us and that you have reminded us of who we are in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending your spirit to, to develop these gifts in us, to develop these fruits in us, to develop, this, to develop these characteristics of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. Thank you that we already have these things planted inside of us. God, I pray that we would simply remain in you so that you could produce these fruits, continue to produce these fruits. God, I pray that we would, that we would give grace to ourselves and grace to each other as we mature and as we develop as followers of you. God, help us to allow love to win in our own lives. Remind us that we've been crucified with Christ and that it is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. Thank you, Lord, that you've, you've made love win. <laughs> you have won for all eternity. We pray that you remind us of that in our own hearts, in our own lives. Help us to draw near to you and be developed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, uh, if you want prayer for anything today, we want to agree with you in prayer, whether it be responding to the word that was spoken today or, or, or just something specifically that you are, are needing or that you're wanting someone to agree with you in prayer. We have prayer partners up here at the front. And as we dismiss, you can make your way down and you can pray. But again, I'm so glad that you've been here today. I'm so glad that I've gotten to, to uh, the privilege, the honor to be able to share this first message of love wins with you. And I hope that it has spoken to you and I hope that you seal it in your heart. And uh, I want you to have an absolute great week. Thank you guys for being with us. We love y'all.